Good morning. Welcome to the show. My name is Ashraf Gardar. This is the media show. For the next two hours, we talk marketing, advertising, PR, journalism, brand communications. Effectively, anything that uh, that moves, that communicates, is what we talk about on the show. Love your input, as per usual. Short, sharp calls if you have a strong opinion on anything. 0891-104207. Tweet at Ashraf Gardar and you can SMS to 34701. So let's start then with something that really does communicate. And it communicates all sorts of things. Um, and you wonder just, just what that really means. I'm talking about, well... DJ Sibu on one hand, and uh, the, 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 the Forbes Africa magazine, or the fake magazine um, picture, the cover that is, of a few days ago, and what that really means. And that's what we're going to talk about now. I know there's an but let me put I know there's been an agreement, there's been some sort of an apology. So there's been some sort of settlement, right? But what we want to talk about, therefore, is we're certainly not going to talk to Forbes uh, Africa magazine. We're not going to talk to DJ Cebu. What we will talk about is talk to you and uh, look at lessons learned because there's lessons for you, there's lessons for me, there's lessons for anybody in marketing, uh, in protecting their brand, in protecting their reputation, in what you can and can't do. And it's been touched on often in social media, certainly by Emma Sadler in the past, and it comes back again. So we'll talk about that. I've got three guests. So Emma Sadler is one of them, who's a media law consultant. Um, Emma, good chatting to you uh, once again. Hi. Lovely to speak to you, Ashraf. How are you? Yeah, it sounds like you're at a cricket match, but anyway, okay. <laughs> Close. I'm actually just trying to find a quiet spot. I'm supporting my boyfriend at Iron Man and Portland. Oh, I see. Okay, that's close enough. Anyway, all right. But, uh, well. I'm Eminently going to be in a quiet room. Sorry for the noise. Okay, not a problem at all. Right, Regine Larue is with me, who's the MD of Reputation Matters. Uh, matters rather, Regine. Good chatting to you. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And uh, Timothy Maurice Webster is the third of the guests. Uh, is the thought leader in brand leadership design and innovation, and author as well, of course. Timothy, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on the show. Thank you. Right. So three guests and you, the listener, and we're looking specifically, uh, I want to just emphasize this. I don't want to have people commenting if you are going to comment and say, well, this thing is a whole drop-off, so-and-so is a crook, so-and-so is. These are all, you know, unsubstantiated. I'm looking at the broader issue here. And the broader issue is what are the lessons to learn? Uh, from what happened with DJ Cebu on the one hand and Forbes Africa. And I think they're really vital, vital lessons to learn from all of this. So, so Timothy Maurice Webster, in fact, let me, let me start with you, right? I mean, y- you know DJ Cebu. I know you guys share platforms together. What, 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 what do you make of what's happened and, and the lessons to learn here? Well, you know, first of all, the whole space of social media is largely an experiment. You know, if you look at actuarial science, it's been around since the 1600s. There's a track record. You know, social media is a baby. It's an infant. I mean, if you look at from Friendster to MySpace to Facebook to Twitter, everyone is just sort of experimenting and trying things. So the legal conversation and the framework around social media is evolving. It's become more concrete. And people are taking chances. And people are just having fun on there. People don't realize there's a micro-publishing site. And when it comes to DJ Spoon, I think DJ Spoon dances on fine lines. He walks the edge and he does it on purpose because he knows very specifically that this market often resists entrepreneurs. So it's a dangerous thing to do, but he has a backing. He has a really strong following. And I love the fact that Chris came out and they sort of made up. Um, and that's a beautiful thing for me. 
All right, well, there you are. Taking chances is what he does normally, but has he taken too much of a chance? We'll get to Emma Sadler in a minute. Regine Leroux, give me your thoughts from a, from a reputational point of view. I, mean, I, I, I say this to you that, that no matter what we say, he, his reputation has been damaged. There's, there's been a slur because let's get this right. There's a, a, a fake magazine cover that, that if we follow his story correctly, lands up on his Twitter line and he shares it and then saves it and then re uh, retweets it or not just retweets it in fact republishes it in his own right uh, so people who don't know any better will never buy the magazine are like wow you know uh, DJ Sabu's on the, on the cover of uh, Fortune Africa magazine well what do you make of it? Yeah I think he's been very opportunistic in, in the way that he's been dealing in the statistic matter and I mean there's, there's been there's different ways of this, this guerrilla type of marketing in, in the, the overall and ultimately through this, it is going to actually resonate with some people and it's not going to resonate with others. You can you know, push the boundaries up to a certain point, but at the end of the day, you, you must be so careful not to alienate everyone. So, so ultimately, you need to actually decide who do you want to communicate, what to, which of the stakeholders are more important, are the four stakeholders more important, which are the true ones that are going to be resonating with your core values. So has there been an impact on the reputation? Yes, there, there has definitely been um, an association in terms of how he's been getting his message across and the ways that, that it's being done to, to, to learn from that of what is it that you actually want to communicate and not to alienate everyone at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. I, I'm just thinking whether, you know, when he saw that like a, like a little child being given a, a, a sweet and he got very, very excited. Uh, do, do you get a sense, Emma Sadler, that's what happened? DJ Sabu was, uh, was a bit of a maverick, but didn't even think that, wow, this is so cute, and, and just shared it with everybody else who then thought that was his. Yeah, you know, I think, Ashraf, there would have been a way to do that without necessarily associating or endorsing um, himself with, with the content. I think the way that he produced that content, you know, exactly as you said, as a unique publication. It wasn't just a retweet from a fan and a comment with, ha-ha, look at this guy, and making it quite clear from the way that he's produced the content that that is, in fact, a fabricated image. And I think because he just sort of published it in a vacuum without the, um, without the, con the, the contextual information explaining that, you know, in his version, this was created by a fan and he thought it was really sweet and et cetera, et cetera. I think by, by, by publishing it in the way that he did, I think he really did become an original publisher. All right, what so the law so says about that. Yeah, carry sorry. on. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just going to say what the law says about that is that every single person in the chain of publishing illegal content is responsible for it. We saw it just recently with an Australian um, radio show who published on their website a link to the Jennifer Lawrence naked pictures. Mm -hmm. And the Australian uh, radio show, who, who were the, the administrators of that website, have been held responsible. We've seen countless people get into trouble for retweeting content um, as if they had actually created the original tweet which they retweeted. Because that's what the law says, and, and that law is not new. It sounds very exciting, uh, social media. It's a space that you dabble in, we know that. But, but it also says it's a bit like bu bungee jumping, isn't it, Emma Settler? We don't quite know uh, how to do things, never mind the warnings that people like yourself have given us all through the last couple of years. 
You know, well, I've been trying to spread the message far and wide, but I think what needed, what we need to acknowledge, Ashraf, is that people were given these tools before the education. You know, in, in the old days, the only people who really had access to publishing content to a mass scale were people who had journalism degrees. I think, you know, even 10 years ago, even seven years ago, if I wanted to publish my opinion um, to the public, the only way that I could do that was either to phone into a radio show or to write a letter to the editor of a newspaper. And now we all have this instant access to an international public permanent platform. And, you know, people have heard of lofty ideals of freedom of expression, but don't necessarily realize where the boundaries to freedom of expression are. Because, of course, my right to freedom of expression can come into conflict with other rights, other people's rights to privacy, to dignity, to reputation, and to companies' proprietary rights, as we saw with the Forbes case, where their copyrighted, copyrighted content was clearly um, infringed. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm certainly going to talk about reputation in a minute with uh, Regine and Timothy Maurice. We have to I'll just stay with the social media aspect for, for now. Emma, what, what do you think he should have done? So his friend or just somebody, you know, posted something on, the, you know, on, on his timeline through Twitter and he saw it. And it's pretty cute because he'd have this picture, picture of himself and looked, looked very, very successful. What should he have done? I think maybe, you know, either do nothing, <laughs> um, maybe reply to it saying, ha ha, this is great, thanks for the image. Or if he wanted to publish it, and he did seem to be hell-bent on the publication, then to publish it with the context that this was a fabricated image and that this was not him actually appearing on the front cover of the Forbes magazine. I mean, it's, it, from my view, clearly ambush marketing. Um, the, the fact that he is w- holding the can of his energy drink, which he's been trying to promote everywhere, um, suggests to me that that it wasn't just done by, by a fan. Um, and, and if it was, then the way that he should have done it was just to make it very clear that he, he was not saying that this was a genuine image. If, okay, l- lastly on this point, if he said that uh, this, this is part of my wish list, this is what I aspire to yeah. one day, would that yeah. be okay? Yeah, I think that would have been absolutely fine. Okay, fascinating one. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Some people are SMSing. I'll check it out in a minute. Three four seven zero one. Looking at the lessons learned for you and I and and DJ Sabu and just about everybody else as well regarding uh, the the Forbes Africa fake magazine cover. Right, uh, Timothy Maurice Webster, give me your thoughts. I mean, how do you see this? You made the point that you know he plays in these spaces, but would you have advised him differently if he came to you up front? Yeah, I mean, there is a legal, as a published author, there are just, there are certain things around, there are certain parameters around publishing, specifically on social media, you just have to be careful about. And that's, again, my point earlier was that this, this arena, social media, is evolving very fast. It's becoming more and more powerful. And oftentimes, people who play in various sort of, play on the edge, or as uh, your legal guest says, the ambush type of marketing you just have to be very very careful there are ways to do it um but i disagree that his reputation amongst his core stakeholders is going to be impacted in the long run you got to remember sometimes we get really caught up and we look at this market there's maybe what seven million people on twitter and you know if you look at south african demographics the vast majority of his followers are highly aspirational and they can read between the lines they can see that this guy the editor uh, Chris Forbes was very, I mean, what he said on 702 mm-hmm. was very dangerous. 
and I came out and I chatted to Chris because he says he knew nothing about Mo Fire when when their sister publication in the States had did a big story on Mo Fire. Mm-hmm. And for him to say he knew nothing about it out of an aggressive sort of posture was very, very dangerous. So it can separate the cover issue from the issue of the fact that Ultimately, at the end of the day, Mo Faya was featured in Forbes USA, which makes Forbes Africa look like a little child. Forbes Africa is a very small publication in terms of circulation, and ultimately, Spoo has been on a very large publication. So it wasn't sort of an opportunistic type of approach. It was a far more disciplined sort of look from a uh, sort of a marketing, which I think he sort of slipped slightly, and I think he will recover fairly fast from this. Because at the end of the day, he knew what he was doing. I think ultimately, like anyone else, we all sort of, sort of, you know, we make moves that if you're pursuing your goals and dreams, that often we go a little bit too far. But I think the reason why they made up is they both realized that they were in the wrong. Mm. Regine Leroux, do, do you think, in fact, that initial response from uh, Forbes Africa magazine, we're talking Chris Bishop in particular, right? was over the top. That means they knew they were in the right, they knew that somebody had sort of usurped that cover uh, for that few minutes, instead of simply saying, this is not us, guys, come on, check it out, check the real thing, that their response was so hard that it came across as they were the aggressor. Mm-hmm. I mean, one can understand why they're so protective of their brand. I mean, it's a trademark and so forth. But it, it did come across a little bit... Um, one-sided as well. I mean, ideally in the world of building reputations and building relationships, it's first to deal with the, with, with the person directly. And from that interview, it was clear that there, there hadn't been that communicational dialogue between the parties yet. So ideally, it should have been a lot better if there was that, that initial conversation between the different parties. I mean, for example, Nando's have a huge amount of... Um, people out there that, that rip their adverts off and they're very quick on the mark as well just to disassociate themselves. So often it, it does come across quite harsh when corporates do tend to run to their lawyers first before trying to address the issue first and especially on social media, something like Twitter where everything is a little bit more lighthearted. It needs to be taken in that vein. So it is important, obviously there's always two sides to a story. But it is important to see how best to deal with. with All right, Emma, Emma, Emma Sedlam, you're not just a social media expert; you're a lawyer by profession, anyway, right? In in, in terms of that thought that they that Forbes Ma- uh, Africa ran to their legal advisors first and and made it very very official, as opposed to just having a chat with the guys in DJ Sabu and and just moving on. Do, do you think they tactically went about it the right or the wrong way? Well, I'm not sure if they did try to have a chat. Um, I'm afraid I'm not privy to the, sort of the intimate mm-hmm. information surrounding surrounding what happened. Um, but certainly what the law says is that if you ever see anything that offends you on social media, then you should ask whoever's posted it to remove it. Now, I heard DJ Spoo being interviewed on 702 earlier this week, and I heard his reaction wasn't, oh, I'll take it down if I've upset them. His reaction really was, but I have been recognized by Forbes. Um, and I have been recognized by Forbes America. There was never an acknowledgement that, you know, this isn't, this isn't the case. It was, well, I have been acknowledged, um, by Forbes. So I think that, uh, as a starting step, whenever you find inappropriate, offensive, uh, content or content that you feel harmed your rights, maybe it's a privacy right. And everybody's version of privacy is different. 
say you open up your Facebook and somebody's uploaded a picture of you, and it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be illegal. It can be a picture of you drunk dancing naked on the table uh, at the at the office party, which is not an illegal image, but it might offend you in some way. So you could ask the person to remove it. So the first step would always be to request whoever's posted it to take it down. And Judge, Judge Nigel Willis in H versus W said that it would seldom be worth your while not to adhere to somebody's request to remove something. And then the next step, of course, is is to get the lawyers involved um, and and take it take it uh, sort of a, a much more legal route. Um, but you know, I think that a lot of what goes on on social media doesn't require lawyers because there's a lot of self regulation that we see. You know, you asked me a moment ago, what if he had posted it saying, this is my aspiration in life, I want, mm-hmm. I'm going to make the cover of Forbes magazine. Um, you know, we see it a lot with racist content. And think how much all of us retweet somebody who's been racist to call them out on it. Um, and in that, in, in the way that you do that, you've got to make sure that you, you're not just aligning yourself with the original content. You have to produce context to um, ensure that the people reading it know that you're not just associating yourself with your view, but you're still able to put that public pressure. So, so I think that the self-regulation cannot be underestimated in the social media context. Okay, fascinating. We are talking about uh, that spat between DJ Sibu on one hand and Forbes Africa magazine on the other, where he was on the cover. In fact, it wasn't, well, there was a picture of him on the cover, but it wasn't their cover. Somebody had done a great job uh, giving that impression, and of course, he retweeted, he shared, he posted in his own right, and it's, it's still up there even now, or well, maybe it's down now, but certainly was there before on Twitter, maybe on other social media pages, certainly on Instagram as well. And the initial response was like, hey, it's not me, so he was quite happy to continue because of the fact that uh, he was featured in Forbes magazine, Forbes US or Forbes Worldwide anyway, before that. I've got three guests talking through all of this. You've heard the voice of Emma Sadler last, and we have Regine LaRue, who's the MD of Reputation Matters, and Timothy Maurice Webster, who's the thought leader in brand leadership. My name is Ashraf Garda. This is the media show. Let's get some quick thoughts from some of the listeners. Anyway, Sipo, hi. Hello, Ashraf. Uh, In 15 seconds, I'd like to say two things. The first one is that I think it's unfair on DJ's book because I have seen a number of uh, fake Forbes uh, covers on the internet. Uh, I can send one to you from famous people. One soccer, one uh, football player in the United States put themselves there. They've never responded to that. Okay. Do, do, do you know whether they've never responded? Do you know that with certainty? Well, yeah, you have a point. Yeah. Okay. okay. S- send it to me anyway. I'd love to see it. And I'm are not going to retweet it. I promise you. I will check it out before <laughs> I do anything about it. I'll, okay. The last, the last yeah. short thing is that I think by this episode, what we learned, I think personally I learned about uh, Bishop, the, 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 the CEO. I didn't know him. Now I know him. And I think many people didn't know about Forbes. Now they do. Others didn't know about more fire. Now they do. That's all I want <laughs> that, that, that could be such a fascinating point. Regina Rula, let's talk about that. I mean, in effect, and it's something I'll put to the brand experts as well. You know, I certainly know Chris Bishop. I've chatted to him very often. I certainly know the magazine. I buy it. I read it. I need to do that. Uh, I certainly know DJ Sabu, and I certainly have not bought Mofaya in terms of the drink. And I think it's 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 done superbly in in the townships. But but sadly, it's become uh, a, a nationally talked about brand, isn't it, Regine? Okay, we just lost her for a sec. Timothy, you can give me your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, Tim- Timothy, go ahead. I'm asking whether, in fact, uh, it, 
you know, suddenly Mo Fire, DJ Cebu, uh, well, we certainly know about him, Chris Bishop, Forbes Africa. Everybody knows, suddenly knows so much more about them uh, than, they, than compared to before. So in terms of awareness, that's fantastic. Yeah, sure. I think, I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, carry on, Timothy. I can hear you on this side. Yes, the biggest lesson from this period is to manage emotions. If you listen back to Chris's interview, he went, he, first of all, he didn't do research to figure out anything about the Mopai. He just went buck wild. And if Spoo had managed his emotions, it would have been a great opportunity for him to really sort of take the brand to the next level. So both emotions weren't managed at the highest level. That's the biggest lesson we can take from this is because we have these knee-jerk reactions to social media that often come without cards. And I think we need to make sure that we manage ourselves at the highest level. The, the fact that the brand is, is being talked about countrywide mm. to me is secondary. The brand is basically going to get out there anyway. He's got a huge following. He's got a massive, you know, what the debacle that happened with Metro also contributes to the um, mm-hmm. people. I mean, some people think that Metro defined him. I mean, this is a brand, this is a guy who connects directly with very specific stakeholders. And they may not be in an ivory tower in Phantom, but they, they are people who consume. And oftentimes we take consumers from different demographics for granted. And that's one of the biggest challenges with marketers is that if you assume that a certain demographic is not serious, then you're going to think this is a big problem for him. Whereas, in fact, this is a major opportunity. But the biggest lesson, again, is managing emotions. Yeah, I hope Chris yeah, yeah. gets it, and I hope DJ Foles gets it. All right, and I think your point is right. I think DJ Foles is so incredibly well-known. He certainly doesn't need uh, one week of publicity to, to promote himself. In fact, the very fact that uh, he's already been featured on, on Forbes Global tells you that already, right? What about, uh, we, we had this bad line initially. Regina, I was, I was asking you, you know, uh, and maybe I'll just tweak it slightly now. There's been a suggestion from others that we don't quite know who did the fake magazine in the first place, the fake cover, and maybe this whole thing has been stage managed. That means it's 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 ambush marketing, it's being planned. It's almost like you do an advert that you know is going to be thrown out by the ASA and as a result of that there'll be massive publicity. There's been that sort of allegation directed to people like DJ Sabu in the first place. Absolutely. And that goes back to the way of, of how you want to, to be seen and through which communications and it is that risk that you take. I mean, as, as an entrepreneur that he is, he wants to be pushing the boundaries and be, be doing things differently. But in the game of communications and reputation building, there are rules and regulations to be followed. I mean, it's not the first time he's been in hot water with the way that he's been communicating and the tactics that he's been using. So it is about the, you know, not necessarily misrepresenting, he's been misrepresenting the, the initial um, post that went out. But I think what is really important is, um, you know, it could have been fabricated, yes, but then acknowledge that he was wrapped over the finger. So that's when we started seeing the communication coming out and saying, well, he was featured in the article and didn't really have any um, direct relationship with or any part in, in having that, that post put up there. But I think the rule of thumb, especially from a safeguarding your reputation point of view, should be not to share like or favor a specific post or image. 
it, it isn't something which he would have created initially. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, he, you know, he very happily reshared and created that um, from his point of view. But it's again having that association of doing things in the right way, ultimately. All right. So, so before we wrap up, then, you know, Forbes himself have certainly issued a statement. They're saying amicable settlements. And I'll just... Two, two parts of that I want to just uh, pick out. One, they're saying it's important to note that Mr. Uh, Leope, that's uh, of course DJ Sebu, has made it clear that it was not his intention to mislead our readers. And they then said we seek to state our intentions are purely to safeguard the Forbes Africa trademark and brand name and protect our readers from being misled by the image. In inverted commas, Mr. Leope's spirit of entrepreneurship has been featured in Forbes.com USA and we duly acknowledge that the matter now is resolved to the satisfaction of both parties. Right. We've got about a minute and a, and a bit to go. Uh, Emma, give me your thoughts in terms of, if you were to advise DJ Sibu now, what would you tell him? <laughs> um, I think that, well, you know, as part of that settlement, you will see that it, there was, it was twofold on the part of DJ Sibu. The first was he had to acknowledge publicly that he wasn't associated with the image. Mm-hmm. Um, the other was that he had to remove it. And that's kind of what the law said. You know, where you get it wrong, apologize and take it down. And I think as a, as a rule, even where we're not talking about illegal stuff, you know, where you've just said something that you shouldn't have about somebody, I think as a rule, apologize and delete. And I think that'll always stand you in pretty good stead. And, and, and do you think that by next week it's all forgotten? Um, I'm not sure forgotten. Um, I think that this is something that will linger in people's brains for quite a long time. In South Africa, we are short on cases of this kind of, uh, on this kind of law, this sort of intellectual property, social media, uh, kind of thing. You know, it's also, it sort of straddles a bit of celebrity endorsement. I don't know if you remember a while ago, Basitana Kumalo went into a cycle shop and was trying on a helmet, and they took a photograph of her and used it in their advertising. It's sort of got resonances of that kind of thing. So I think whenever um, these kinds of issues pop up, this will be a reference point for us for, for quite a long well, time. Well, that's so. a good point. I mean, I think sometimes it, it, it works both ways. Sometimes it's the it's a supplier, in this case, let's say the, the bicycle store or a magazine, that can be opportunistic. Sometimes it's the individual that can, reduce, can do so. And, and in both cases, it's wrong, and you can be challenged, and you can get yourself in all sorts of trouble. Timothy Maurice Webster, I'll leave you with a final comment in about, in about 30 seconds. Okay, so your advice then to DJ Cebu from now on is to do what? You know, I think, you know, having a strategic a, a strategic um, mindset that really looks at the rules, the legal, and if you want to push the boundaries, push them. And if you understand your demographic who is highly frustrated that there is no sort of black-owned energy drink out there, and you know that you're pushing the envelope is going to speak to that demographic, it's going to light a fire under the brand and it's going to promote the brand in a way, then do it. Just play within the rules. And that's the main thing is that ultimately at the end of the day, the stakes, when the stakes go really high, like they're going with him now, he's leapfrogging to another sort of atmosphere, then things do get tricky when it comes to legality. And I think it's important to understand that the masters of the game, people like Steve Jobs, when he had relationships with Time Magazine and Forbes, he had them on, he had them on the phone call. He had them on his dial, and he knew that when a new product came out, he knew how to leverage the media. 
So there's a different level of mastery that I think we're going to try to go to, and I would recommend for him as well that we seek that next level of mastery and play at that level. And I think uh, someone may advise him from a reputation point of view to say, Holdy, just take a step back and consolidate, because, of course, the uh, what's happened this week, uh, picking up from, uh, of course, his drink, and going back to what happened uh, a few weeks before that regarding uh, him taking the stage on Matro F- at, the, at the Summer Awards, in fact, uh, at the Matro FM Awards, I think, uh, you know, maybe the Maverick style is just going too far. He needs to be very, very careful. That's where we're going to leave it. Emma Sadler, thanks for your time. Regine LaRue from Reputation Matters. Appreciate your input. And uh, Timothy Maurice Webster, thanks for making time as well to chat. It's been fascinating. Uh, lessons learned. And I'm sure uh, for those who've listened and tweeted in SMSs, I haven't read all of them unfortunately uh, but there are definite lessons and it shows you whether you have a big company or a small one or you're an individual you need to be very careful what you say who you endorse uh, and if somebody else promotes you and you're not pleased with what they think that it's not true you better go back and say actually that's not true at all